My name is John and I'm at Paint School on Instagram. I've done over $15 million in paint jobs and I'm based out of Huntington Beach, California. Aaron is at Alpha Painting on Instagram. He's managed huge commercial projects with impossible timelines and now is a few years into building his own operation out of Branson, Missouri. And you should probably check out our full process videos on YouTube because they're pretty badass. Our point of doing this podcast is to put our 40 plus years of combined experience to the test. We've seen a decline in the industry, and while I think it's a bit arrogant to think we can change it, we're giving it a shot. Listen up and let us know what you think. This is Paint Sniffer Podcast. It's like a Aussie doodle in F1B, so it's a, how does that work? It's a... F1B? Yeah. So it's a, it is on one, on its mom's side, it's one quarter Australian shepherd and three quarters poodle. And on the father's side, it's a hundred percent poodle. So we have to, we have to do that kind of shit because my wife's extremely allergic to animals. <laughs> and now they so, have breeds of like cats. If you're allergic to cats or like blue yeah. or something. But prior to that, which this is going to be a big dog. Prior to that dog, we we have a just a little. I th- I think it's called a. It's a poodle. It's a miniature. I'm not sure. Yeah, we have a uh, special lab, so he's like an English lab. Um, I have a friend at the gym. So a lot of the guys I go to the gym with, it's in Newport Beach, and so, um, you know, like lawyers and insurance salespeople and you know, all these ballers. And so one of the guys um, has a couple labs from this one breeder up north. And, you know, we were like, all right, well, let's check them out. We know they're good dogs. You know, they have like a training program through, like you can leave them there and and have a semi-trained dog, you know, puppy. So they keep them for like 10 weeks after they're born and train them. Um, But it's like (laughs) $5,000. Yeah. to get one of these dogs and you know i told my wife like she loves having dogs and i don't really care either way um but i was like if we get another dog though like it has to be trained like i don't want to be cleaning up piss inside the house all the time and all that so dude so we yeah checking checking to those aussie doodles i when i looked at like poodle style dogs i was like there ain't no fucking way i'm having one of those dogs that <laughs> yeah Rich, like rich bitches walking down sunset yeah. having stuff i'm not doing that they where yeah. they looked like they look like one of those groomed fucking bushes in front Snobby of somebody's dogs. house yeah yeah yeah. you know those bushes they shake with <laughs> yeah you know, that's what it reminds me of yeah yeah and i hate it but it, it since just because she's allergic or whatever so the breeds of dogs we've had to have are hypoallergenic and they don't shed so i'm like okay i like this yeah yeah that's cool <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I wonder, um, you know, supposedly they all come from wolves. I mean, I, I guess that's true, but that's pretty hard to believe that that's all in them. You know, my dog is like so loving and I couldn't imagine him hurting anything. He's like a big, he's kind of a little bit overweight. It's only about a year, maybe a year and a half old now. Yeah. Well, I think even people that have like half wolf breeds and stuff that if you raise it from you know, if you raise it yourself, it's not going to obviously eat you more yeah. than likely. <laughs> I, was I don't know about to, uh, Yeah, I was listening to Mike Tyson on uh, Joe Rogan, and they're talking oh, about yeah. all the, the uh, tigers that Mike yeah. Tyson's had and everything. And 
talking about how like um just living with them he would sleep with them in his bed and all that shit and it's like man he would travel with yeah. them brought them in a trailer and dude yeah that's nuts dude i i live in a tourist town and there's this fucking magician you know how fucking weird magicians are and shit yeah so like the, the this is place i i live is like a like a fucking half retarded you know hillbilly vegas is the best way i can explain it uh-huh and this this dude um what was his name? His name was Kirby Van Birch and he's one of those abracadabra motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. I put potentially fucking, you know, on the other side of the fence. I, and I did an estimate for this dude. One time I showed up at his house and, uh, the dude answered the door in a fucking towel. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? But after that, after that, I'd seen him, dude, uh, sitting in a fucking in a convertible at a at a gas station with a fucking tiger in the back seat. No shit. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? It's crazy. Uh, I mean, those things still turn turn on people. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how you could ever feel safe. Like, ever let your guard down at all? Those things are just too big. But apparently, the people that get eaten by them are the ones that get a little too comfortable. You know, yeah. like they just trust the animal a little too much. Forget that it's a tiger. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched some of that episode. Tyson was talking about uh, how they can only be around one person. Yeah. He said yeah. tigers will only be loyal to one person, but lions will, you know, they can be around several people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wild. All right, so we're going to get into estimating. Uh you know, I'm in a couple of these Facebook groups and pretty much, I don't know, one out of, it's, it feels like one out of two, but maybe like one out of four people posting in there asking questions like, hey, how do I price this exterior or interior cabinets or whatever? And then half the people are like, uh, fuck off. If you don't know how to estimate, you shouldn't be doing jobs. Uh, the other half are just throwing out like crazy numbers. And then some people are posting in there. It depends on which area you're in, blah, blah, blah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I figure we could dive into a little bit on how we do our estimating and then um, probably some ideas on how to learn how to do estimating. Like where would you even start? You know? Um, but I think first off, how do you do your estimating? What do you, you get an exterior project to go do a bid on. How do you, what do you do from like your notes, measurements, pictures, um, you know, how do you go through that process? Well, I am partially on the fuck you side. Um, I've had some guys reach out to me on Instagram. You know, I had one guy where I kind of went out of my way. This dude started a painting company and I, I wasn't aware of this until like getting into talking to him. And, you know, I thought to myself, uh, you know, coming off of all the, you know, the whole shock and awe of when I first got on Instagram and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. having my, my freak outs and, and seeing yeah. all this insane shit that, that didn't make sense yeah. in my brain. So it is, it is shocking. Like when you first start seeing everything that's out there, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. How are you even I, asking that question? <laughs> I had a hard time dealing with it. So I was, I was a little toxic with it. So I had this one guy 
and uh, he didn't know shit. And I, in my mind, I knew I shouldn't be telling this guy anything, but I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to tell him everything. So like the dude didn't even, he didn't even know where to start. So, I mean, I'm talking, I was sending him pictures of prints and showing him how to measure and just from the ground up, just taught him, you know, bid, bid theory, like from, Mm -hmm. you know, point blank to nothing or, or, you know, from nothing to, you know, something he could use to start with, which, you know, in turn, I told him that he would have to also investigate into his local area about, you know, his local pricing models, because it's all going to be different. So yeah, that's essentially the, the major starting point is, um, what, what is the competition bidding? So if you think about it, the long-term goal is, um, pricing doesn't fucking matter, but you know, if you're starting out, it fucking does. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have to have a basis to start. You're going to take hits. You're going to do things for cheaper and you have to learn your system, learn what works best for you. And then eventually, um, you know, you'll be able to find where your value is, but you're not going to just start right off the bat and have value. In my opinion, I didn't, yeah, and I started yeah. my, I didn't start my business until I was about 24 years into the field. So I had ample experience and, and I was extremely well-rounded. I'm, you know, I'm only a few years in, but, uh, and I still have a hard time finding, that value scenario you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that's something i'm constantly trying to improve on and slowly trying to improve on because let's be honest you can't be at you know a dollar 75 a square foot and then decide you're going to up your prices to seven fucking dollars a square foot and think that it's going to work out well for you that's not how it works yeah and that's that's a big difference in the beginning versus where we're at now um because you don't have, you almost have nothing to offer, right? You're a brand new company. You don't have a track record. You don't have all these referrals and people talking about how good you are. You're going off at like nothing. <laughs> you're trying to create value out of thin air. You know, you literally have no history. You can say, oh, well, I've been painting for four years, right? It's like, all right, show me some houses you've yeah. So to me, like when I, you know, and we've talked about this before, when I first started, I knew where my, I knew you know, I know where my value is in terms of, you know, custom and quality, but without having that and somewhere to start, I knew that I could squeeze dollars out of dimes. So I knew that I needed to start in production and, and give that a run. So I started out very low, but, you know, as I said, you know, the people that have the mentality that think, you know, well, I'm, I'm worth this and I'm worth that and I'm too good for this and I'm too good for that. Obviously, don't know or see the value in doing cheaper work and making money on bulk. So I have a lot of experience doing production. So that's where I started. But, you know, I slowly started to, you know, having running, running production for somebody else when they're, you know, they're running the business side and you're just dealing with the field logistics and training guys and all that stuff. Like you can create a machine if there's multiple people going, but eventually I didn't want to operate all facets of this business with fucking plus being in the field, driving guys, you know what I mean? So I eventually decided, dude, we're just gonna, we're just gonna start doing, you know, repaints but you know i jumped into some custom new construction and it was kind of the same way kind of devalued but i have my own system for repaints and that's what i can kind of 
touch on. I don't really want to jump into the production aspects because if you're going to bid a production job, like you kind of really need to, you have to be willing to gamble and you have to be extremely confident in what you're doing. It's not just like, Oh, Hey, it's production. Uh, we can do a shitty job. That's not how it necessarily works. If you want to make money. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you walk onto a project, someone calls you for a quote, you go out to look at it. It's an exterior. How are you figuring out that price? Like, so I think we can get into, um, well, I, let's say it's like a standard repaint. Let's say there's nothing special about it. Uh, prep is average, you know, some peeling here and there, nothing major. Um, <clears throat> how do you go about starting to build up, you know, what will ultimately be your price for that project that you pitch? Yeah. So, I mean, for I, I have my own system for stuff like that. Um, I don't have footage rates on exteriors. I personally think that that's you know, it can be dangerous because no exterior is ever going to be the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you look at what, you know, whatever your hourly rates are, or even if you don't apply your hourly rate to a contractual pricing model, um, fine, but you need to formulate a system. And before I had this system, what I would do to double check my time frames is I would cross-reference my hourly rate with my square footage rates, you know, say off the floors for like an interior, um, add my materials and I would cross reference, um, my hourly rates with my footage rate and see if I was close. And then if I was close, I knew I could make money on it, you know? So say you're, you know, anywhere from four to $7 a square foot, you cross reference that with whatever your hourly rate is, $45 an hour, $65 an hour, whatever, um, add your materials and then, you know, look at what your projections are in terms of the man hours you're going to spend. So like, say, you know, what, what do you pay yourself 25 bucks an hour? You pay a guy 25 bucks an hour and the 45 or the 65 is a buffer for if you go over, you know, and you Mm -hmm. cross reference it with your footage rate. But that's how I kind of formulated my, um, my estimating for, you know, exteriors for one, you need to know how long something's going to take you. Um, you know, and an hourly rate, you know, is raised beyond what you're paying out, you know, and that's your buffer for going over, you know, you need Mm -hmm. to be dead set on coverage rates, you know, uh, your primer is going to cover differently over, you know, uh, a pore substrate, your, you know, your first coats are going to cover less than your second coats and finish. And you kind of have to know be able to compensate and estimate you got to know your own numbers so you have to technically build your own system you know you can have i guess you can have a starting point if someone were to ask you know questions like i had a guy uh, i was talking to on instagram and we were just bullshitting and i you know i was making fun of him for using a what sounded to be like a 395 and he's spraying EFIS or whatever, but I was just, I like the guys just giving him shit. But, you know, I asked him how many gallons and he told me, I was like, dude, you're at least, yeah, unless you're just dry spraying that shit and you ain't back rolling, you're at least going to fucking put on another 35 gallons. And I told him my material projections, I don't remember exactly what they were, 45 or 60 gallons or whatever the fuck it was. And he shot me a message and said, dude, you were dead on. I was like two gallons under that. So it's just about knowing, 
what each substrate is mm-hmm. for me. Um, knowing how to be dead on with material calculations and projecting my man hours. So then when you're going through on an exterior, you're looking at, you're walking around the house and you're just considering how long each different aspect is going to take you. Do you think about it like with you plus one? Do you think about it you if you're doing it by yourself? I I look about it. Well, uh, yes. So, I mean, I separate things, right? When I separate things, though, you end up, if I personally like, okay, this is going to be eight hours to mask this. This is going to be seven hours to mask that. This is going to be 12 hours to cock this. I, I, I used to do that. I kind of stopped doing that and I really mm-hmm. just kind of made it simple and I stepped back and I'm like, okay, I really think I can fucking do this in a week. You know what I mean? Or right. I really think I can do this in three weeks and then multiply that three weeks by two guys by, you know, you know what, like I said, whatever right. your hourly Hours. rates are, 45, mm-hmm. 55, 65. And you know, what you're paying out will, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, close, it will always be less than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're figuring out your pricing, like at this point, now you have a better idea of what kind of a project you could do in a week, uh, what kind of project would take you two weeks. But I think it is really helpful to be able to go back and break it down into hours for pieces, right? Like you can go back and look at fascia boards. How long are the fascia boards going to take me? You know, and then even for me, like if I want to get real detailed on how low I could go on a price, how competitive I could be. Um, You know, if we do like HOA complexes, like I'll start thinking, you know, if I want to be competitive and get that kind of a project, I know there's going to be guys that are lowballing that, that can just slam out production. So if I want to get a job like that, I have to get my numbers really dialed in. I can't just do production rates like we usually do. Um, And so I'll actually like visualize, you know, okay, I get there this morning, me and two guys or four guys, what do I have them start on first thing in the morning, you know, and then really like kind of picture throughout the day, what, what could I get done with three guys or one guy or five guys? What could we get done in a day? You know, and is that repeatable? Like, could we do that day in day out? Or is that just one hard day? Um, And then I could start looking at our hourly rates, you know? So, okay, let's say, we did one project was like 96 units and so I could break it down. I think, you know, some of the buildings were five units, some seven, some two. Um, and so I could start to figure out from all the different models, how long it would take us to do a five unit building, a seven unit building, a two unit building. Um, and then I could just multiply it times however many versions of those buildings there are. Um, but yeah, I think, for somebody starting out or figuring out how to do pricing, it would be more along those lines. If they don't have the experience of having priced a lot of projects before, they're not going to know. No. So what, what I would say in those circumstances, like, you know, of course I can never recommend to anyone to start a painting business without the adequate field experience, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think if, if I, if I would go back and, you know, I've never, I've never lost money on a job until recently with this, with this insane interior. But, um, I would say a decent system would be for someone to go back. Like, you know, say you eventually want your, you want to be able to make your calculations at, you know, 
let's say $65 an hour, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think that you're going to be able to effectively lock in a time and materials price at that. So maybe if you're unsure, then you lock in, you know, you tell them that it's time and materials and you lock in 25 or $35 an hour. And then that gives you a buffer to be able to gauge and play with what you can do. Um, but you know, you may, you're probably going to be less likely to, you know, if you're starting out to be able to just get jobs by the hour. And if you don't have the experience, if you don't have the experience, uh, you're going to end up embarrassing yourself because you're not going to be able to get the job job done effectively, you know, and efficiently. Time materials, you you have to be able to sell that a certain way. Like the the client has to have a lot of trust in you that you're not going to dick him around. You know, you're not going to milk the clock. Um, and then I think in most cases you have to be able to give them, you know, either like a not to exceed limit or some kind of ballpark of where you're going to end up, you know, cause most people don't yeah. want to leave that open-ended and I, I don't blame them either. You know, like if I were doing business, someone said time materials, unless it was like a really small project. Um, you know, if we're talking something that's like 10,000 or more, it's like, all right, well, you got to give me some kind of some range, you know, are we talking like 20,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand, you know, like that's, I mean, you have to have some kind of a buffer there, uh, but you have to have a lot of trust, you know, like someone's really got to trust that you're not going to screw them to do time materials like that. Like you have a couple of big time materials projects going on right now. I don't even know how you got those, but um, you know, obviously you build some trust. Yeah. I, I did give them uh, projections, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, uh, you know, it would be awesome if we could be under this, but there's always a chance that we could go over, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, now those types of projects, you know, that one was sensitive, not sensitive, but it was, uh, I had dealt with, um, they have like one of their neighbors is like uh, an exterior company that does like siding and soffits and roofing. And I think they hire subs. So the people that own this house own a museum and, uh, you know, so I, I pretty much, I am underneath a, a general contractor pretty much is essentially how it works. And I was just, I talked with the general contractor, with the homeowner and, you know, helped guide them through the, the process and the scheduling of all the subs and all the different things that are going to go down prior to us being in there. Mm -hmm. And as we approached, you know, I put it out there like, you know, this is this is going to be very unlikely for us to be able to put a solid price on there. And this was over the process of multiple months. And, you know, I gave them, you know, I, I, I told them I, I didn't think that I was going to be able to do it unless it was hourly. They wanted some projections. I gave it to them. And then you fast forward like four months down the road. We still haven't started. They were still the general contractor was still working on it, yada, yada. So I go to meet with the homeowners and that was when I finalized, like, you know, we're dead set on, you know, this is what it has to be. And I reworked numbers because of inflation and yada, yada. So I changed my, I changed my, uh, uh, my projections and then, you know, pretty much told them it was going to be hourly, but you know, I, th th over this time period, though, like, and that's why the videos come in so handy for me is because, 
it's not just some dude talking shit you know they, they visually get to see what we do and i mm-hmm. i can back it up you know so that i think yeah. that helps with a lot of trust mm-hmm. they and i think inherently most homeowners don't know that people are full of shit and don't yeah. know that people don't know what they're doing so i think there's a lot of homeowners that take low bids and get fucked i think there's a lot of homeowners that take high bids thinking that just because something's high you're paying for quality right yeah. Uh, I think people get fucked left and right multiple different ways. So yep. um, I don't think pricing begets quality or, or vice versa, but you know, you're definitely not going to be getting quality if you, you know, take the cheaper bit. Too low. Of the time, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. So then you're going through and figuring out at this point, kind of just how long a project's going to take you. Um, and then you're, are you only comparing that against man hours? Are you then like figuring out what you want to make on a project? So, um, it's an exterior. I think it's going to take you a week. Um, you're figuring out how much paint you're going to need for it, what the cost is. And then are you figuring out what your labor is and then material on top or profit on top of that? Or are you saying, yeah, I'll do all my breakdowns. So I always, you know, I, I realize that in my market, I'm starting to be to where, you know, there's probably 90% chance I'm, you know, maybe even 95% chance I'm going to be the highest bidder in my area. Um, if I, when I'm looking at something and I, you know, I, I guesstimate my materials, you know, anytime I measure a project, I'm not measuring, you know, in terms of an exterior, I'm, I'm never measuring for footage in terms of pricing. I'm, I'm measuring because, I want my material estimates to be exact and I'm cross-referencing my numbers, you know, for material usage. And then, you know, with the, the man hours, like if I'm, if I look at something and I'm nervous and, you know, I, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a 40 hour week for two guys. That's 80 man hours. Right. Well, if I'm, well, fuck, man, I don't know. That might, you know, it, it might be an extra couple of days. Sometimes I'll just take and jack it from eight-hour days to 10-hour days to kind of cover me a little more. But like I said, that hourly pricing model is always a buffer for, you know, you're obviously going to be paying, you know, less than, you know, what your calculated man hours are going to be going out. So, you know, your employees are going to be making less than what your what your TNM rates are. So, yeah. And then for those who may or may not know, when you take your measurements for materials, you're looking at square footage because then we can compare it against square footage on a gallon, right? Like spread rate. If we're, Correct. you know, we have 3000 square feet of surface area and a gallon covers three or 400 square feet. You're going to code it twice. That's 6,000 square feet. You need to cover, um, you know, if it's like a rough stucco versus a smooth siding, different coverage or different spread rates. So you can figure out how much paint you're going to need pretty accurately. Yeah. But I mean, we look at things differently. So, you know, like if you're looking at like an open truss ceiling or something, I don't know what people are running, you know, mm-hmm. like fucking 30 square foot a gallon or 40 square right. foot a gallon. You look at uh, EFIS that is fucking extremely dry, you know, and yeah. the product itself, you know, if you're going to be mm-hmm. priming with, you know, like locks on and top coating with duration, or if you're going Conflex XL or something is just a primer and finish, yada, yada, yada. If, if the bucket says three to 400 square foot a gallon, like 
you got to know the fact that, you know, you have to be able to judge, well, this EFIS is extremely dry. It's potentially never been coated, yada, yada. That's your job to know those things. So you can get as low as like 125 to 175 square foot per gallon in terms of coverage. And then your, your next, you know, your top coat, your next coat is, you know, fuck, you might, you know, your first finished coat, you might get 200, 250 square foot per gallon. And not until your final top coat, right. will you get three to 400 square foot per gallon. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty important to know if you're doing some kind of a three coat system, especially over something like that, where it's just going to suck the paint up. Um, new construction, right? Raw drywall inside is going to suck paint up way faster, way less coverage uh, per gallon. And the way I look at primer roughens is primers cheap. So we probably yeah. bid things a bit different than what most people do. Um, we're going to put on a shit ton more paint than what is average. But the fact that we get it up fucking two to three times faster than what, you know, yeah. what normally happens you know, I make that back in labor, but I just want a, a good basis for primer. I want to put it up fast and I want to fucking leave and get to the next one and while they're getting me a trim package ready. So um, I'm putting on a lot, a lot more primer. You know. Yeah. And the labor is the expensive part anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking, you know, dude, like maybe 275 square foot per gallon in terms of coverage um, for primer rough ends. But like we're, you know, we're, what is it like 30, 3300 PSI, uh, 2.35 GPM and like a 635. That's how I do my primer yeah. reference. So. <laughs> That's a shit ton of paint real quick. All right. So the way that I do estimating now is totally different than how I used to. Um, maybe six or close to seven years now. Um, I've had a full-time salesperson. And so all he does is go out and do estimates all day long, every day. That's his job. Um, and he's not a painter. He's not, you know, maybe he's painted his rooms in his house or something like that, but he's not a painter. He doesn't have any painting experience. Um, but he's a salesperson. He has sales experience. And uh, he was actually referred to me. Um, we've talked about this before, but I brought on a guy that was like a tech guy to help me scale the company get systems in order and all that. And so he was referred to me by that guy um, to do sales for us. You know, and initially it was like, there's no way that would work. How is it? How is a salesperson who knows nothing about paint going to sell paint jobs? You know, <laughs> like what, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, but it's been going, you know, six or seven years strong. So, but all he does is take measurements um, he takes measurements, makes notes, takes pictures. And, you know, we have square foot, linear foot, uh, piece rates for everything that you could estimate everything on a house. Some of the things don't work as well as others, like doing glaze work, you know, refinishing stain work, that stuff. I have to get a little more hands on, on the pricing. Uh, but almost everything else works fine for the most part. Um, we do have issues on some exterior stuff. If something's peeling really badly, uh, we account, he will account for it some on his estimating side, but then I'll have to like dial it in, you know? So the way that it goes is he'll go out to a project. He'll measure everything, talk to a client, take notes on every room or every area or whatever. 
and then take measurements of everything, door counts, window counts, uh, trim linear footage, everything. Um, he will plug all those measurements into our system, you know, so it's like baseboards, 236 linear feet, new or existing, um, spray or brush and roll, uh, you know, we'll do ceilings, walls, everything square footage, all independent pricing. So our estimates are itemized by the different types of spaces. So all the walls might be together in one line item. You know, it'd be walls only for bedroom one, bedroom two, living room, dining room, whatever. Um, and so it'll come out to 2,543 square feet and we charge a dollar 18 per square foot of wall space and it spits out a total price, right? Um, so he'll put that all in our QuickBooks estimate. He'll build out an estimate. He will upload all the pictures to our Google drive. Um, and then he'll send me an email, you know, like three estimates are ready, you know, and it'll have all their names in there. It'll have any special notes in there. We have one light item that's for project manager and it'll be project manager notes. You know, it'll be like, uh, don't let the dog out. You know, clients very worried about the dog getting out. Shit like that, you know, whatever kind of special notes we need to know. Um, and so I'll get final look before I'll, I'll actually push the send button on the quote, you know, so I'll check it out. If there isn't anything abnormal about it, I'll just send it. I won't even check the photos. I won't anything. But if something is abnormal, like lots of wrought iron, our pricing for wrought iron won't work for a tiny amount or a very large amount. So if it's like, you know, 60 square feet of wrought iron to maybe 150 square feet of wrought iron, it makes sense. But if it's like 1500 square feet of wrought iron, it won't. The price will be way too high. Um, same if it's like 15 square feet of wrought iron, you know, it's one gate. Our price will be too low. You know, it'll be like whatever, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but um, so wrought iron stain work is the same way. Um, so there's a couple items where I have to like look deeper, you know, so I'll have to check the photos and see what the wrought iron looks like, see what style it is. Sometimes they're fancy designs going to take way longer. Um, if he puts notes in there that the wrought iron's peeling, I'll dig a little deeper, um, and then send out our prices that way. So that's how our estimating is done now. And probably 90% of the time I don't need to look at pictures. Um, the other 10% I'll, I'll dig deeper on certain items like that. Um, but we do get into trouble every now and then, you know, if he doesn't put notes in there about Eve's peeling and we just price it and send it off based on our square footage rate, uh, you know, we lose a day just for scraping, right? It's like, he doesn't know how long something like that should take. So we've had conversations over the years where it's like, dude, if the eaves are peeling, you have to include that. Cause I'm, I lost two days or two guys for a whole day, just scraping those eaves, you know, now we got to prime them all, which we didn't account for either. Um, you know, so we have all this extra expense that we're eating because he made a mistake, which is like a simple mistake. No painter would ever think we don't have to scrape those eaves, you know? It's not going to take a shitload of time. So that type of stuff, um, it comes up very rarely now, but it did a lot. Well, not a lot. It did enough throughout the years, the first few years, when something new came up where I would lose money on because he made a mistake because he doesn't have a background in painting. 
You know, there'd be dumb mistakes like that, but they'd happen because they didn't have experience. Um, so that's how most of our pricing goes now. Uh, but the way that I started pricing was how you do it, you know, where it's like I, I could use my experience to figure out how long something's going to take me, um, you know, how much money I want to make on it. You know, so I would come up with like uh, my overhead cost. In the very beginning, when I was first starting out, it was just uh, how long is it going to take me? How much do I think I can charge? Here's my price. You know, how much paint is, how much is paint going to cost? How long is it going to take? Um, how much do I want to make on it? You know, that's like when I was solo, just by myself. Um, you know, if I had a bedroom, it's like for a bedroom for painting the walls back then, like 250 to 300 is probably what you could get away with. Um, and so, you know, I'd be somewhere in that yeah, range. Yeah, I, I don't even nowadays... Like I, I, I went recently and painted a, a bathroom for um, a smaller builder of mine, but I don't even fuck with shit like that, dude. Like I, if somebody calls me to paint a bathroom or a bedroom or dude, like it's not, there's no money in that for, yeah. for me, dude, you know? No money for me either, it. but I'll do a 550 minimum. So we have a $550 minimum. And if they want us to come out, you know, if they want me to have one guy come out and paint a bathroom for 550 bucks, I'll do it. But I'll, I'll tell them. So I get messages on Yelp all the time. You know, like they're just constantly coming in. Uh, we need one bathroom painted. How much would it cost? You know, I'll tell them we have a 550 minimum. Uh, but if you shop around, you should be able to find someone that will do it for 180, 200 bucks, something like that. Um, but every now and then it's like, well, you know, you have a lot of good reviews and what if we add in the door to, could you do it for the same price? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we still don't turn those jobs down, but we try not to do them because I don't want to tie up like a higher level painter doing one bathroom, you know, like even though 550, like, you know, so I make, I don't know, $350 on that job, something like that that's fine. I mean, that's plenty of profit on a project like that, but I could have that painter managing like three guys on a different project and make more, you know? So yeah. tying up my guys doing little tiny jobs sucks. It's not the best way to go about it. You can't just send anybody to go paint a bathroom. It's a shitty right. thing, you know? That's the thing. I can't like, they have to be able to communicate with the client, you know, they have to not sound dumb, know what they're doing. Um, yeah. I mean, it, and the problem happens when I do just send anyone to go do it and they make some mistake and now we got to go back and fix it, you know, or the lines are not straight or whatever. Then we go back for a second visit to fix whatever those mistakes were. Now we have two visits out for this fucking bathroom, you know, and then it's like all downhill from there. So that's how my pricing started. <clears throat> and in the beginning, it was just, how much is my paint going to cost? How long is it going to take me? How much money do I want to make? You know, it's just me solo. Um, once I started having employees, then it became like, um, you know, how much do I have to pay out? So I, w I didn't count myself as an employee in the beginning. I just counted profit. You know, it was like, um, how much do I have to pay my employees to do it? how much material do I have to buy and how much money do I want to make? You know, so if 
if it was going to be a week long project and I had two guys on the job, you know, my expenses are going to be whatever, 1800 bucks on labor. Um, let's say 500 bucks on materials. So 24, uh, 2300 is my cost. How much can I make on it? You know, maybe I want to make 1200 bucks this week. Right. So I'm charging $3,500. Um, that pricing, like, you know, was fine, I guess, for then, but it never accounted for me not being on a job, you know, never accounted for me having to replace myself. So I do that job for 3,500 and I'm on the job, I'm getting paid 1200 bucks. The company's like making very little, you know, maybe, maybe I could replace myself for a thousand and the company makes 200 bucks off that deal. So for a long time, I never accounted myself uh, as being an employee or having to replace myself on a job. Now, if I did that same job for 3,500 and, you know, I'm paying 6% commission on that job, uh, I'm paying a foreman a thousand bucks a week to manage that job. Now me as a business, I make like $40 on that job. You know, if I price it that way. And I think a lot of guys, like if we're, there's um, tons of people doing it that way still, you know, there's, I don't know thousands and thousands of companies out there that are one or two man shops that don't pay themselves as an employee. They just price it for whatever they want their profit to be. So if the job is 2000 bucks and they're going to make a thousand dollars on it, they're not counting their labor. They're just saying, Oh, I got 50% profit. The bigger companies are saying, actually you don't, you have zero profit. You just paid yourself a thousand bucks for the week, right? Like as an employee. You couldn't replace yourself ever charging those kind of rates. You would never make any money. And so that I don't know. I'd have to sit to down and think about that. Like if, if, like if I have one, you know, I have some exteriors just in the back of my head, like, um, <clears throat> and I think, well, if I just had Jeremiah do it and I never showed up on the job, I would still make really good fucking money, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I gave him an apprentice, I would still make really good money for not being there. So um, I don't think that uh, I, I for sure think in my area, I'm 100% not underbidding stuff in terms of, of that. I also think like, I think I could take my system that, that I do have for like for estimating and probably run upwards of 10, 12 guys on, three, four, five different jobs and just be the estimator and run the office and, you know, stop by job sites and make sure everyone's doing what they need to do. And, you know, every once in a while work in the field. And I think I could manage my system right now, you know, upwards of, of quite a few guys, but I I am interested into picking your brain on, how your system evolved from, you know, looking at that into having, you know, a, a system for actually, you know, for someone else actually doing that job in terms of estimating. But I don't know, like, what, what is the, what is the value difference? Like, what is, what is the profit difference in terms of you bidding something that way by calculating man hours versus, having a, you know, a footage rate or whatever it is that you're doing? Like, what's the, what's the huge difference? Yeah. So the two major differences, one, I'm typically more accurate. Like I can get, um, a sharper price if I do it, 
I know where we can save time. I know where we can't save time. So my pricing can be more accurate. Um, you know, if we both, like if he and I both looked at the same exterior and quoted it, and we've done this before in the past, um, my price would be different than his. And higher or lower depends on what the difficulties are in the project. You know, so let's say there's a lot of peeling on the house, uh, a lot of stucco work, patchwork. Um, my price is probably going to be higher than his because I am taking all that into account. Um, if the house is super easy and it's like same color and stucco and overhangs are all going one color and then trim is going same as existing, my price is probably going to be lower than his. Uh, but his price accounts for the averages. You know, so his price will be a little higher when I would be lower. His price might be a little lower when I would be higher, uh, but it averages out. So at the end of the year, our profit margin is the same. You know, I'd, my my close rate is higher than his, uh, but I think that's more of a sales thing, like a personality type versus how accurate my pricing is versus how accurate his is. So with his pricing, we're able to scale, right? Like I can have him out doing estimates all day long, every day of the week. He's very motivated by money. And so he wants as many leads as he can get. Um, he's, he's motivated. He'll do nighttime bids, weekend is, bids. Is he salary? Uh, no, commission only. So only commission, whatever he sells. Yep. So he gets paid 6% yeah, on every get, job that, he sells. I guess that's what I guess that's what motivates sales guys, you know what I mean? My yeah. my son does door-to-door sales for security and like he doesn't make shit unless he sells something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I've I've had people reach out to me before, you know, that I've known in the past that have either been in the industry or a sales rep or whatever like, "Hey man, let me know if you need an estimator." And I sit back and I think, dude, you don't fucking know how I do things or what I'm capable of. Like you just shook fucking paint buckets for a living. Like how the fuck does that translate to knowing what I do? Like there's no way I would take that gamble, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but you would need to have uh, a price structure and that's where production rates come into play. That's, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Tanner Mullen with the drip jobs. You know, he's, he's built out a software system and he was doing um, live on Facebook or something like that. And, uh, you know, while he's going through and kind of sharing a software, it's a really cool software, by the way. Um, you know, he's like, we don't use production rates in here. I don't even know what production rates are, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, that um, that's a big part of it if you're trying to grow your company, if you're trying to scale up. So production rates are basically your averages over time. So, um, you know, our our rates for fascia boards are $6.67 per linear foot. That price, so the place where it's not perfect is if there are fascia boards on a first story that are super easy to do, that price is on the high side. if it's a second story and they're difficult to do, that's probably average. You know, it's not low, but it's it would be average. So 
but the reason it works is because we measured that a hundred times and tweaked it over several years. Like, okay, it's a little too low on this one. It's a little too high on that one. We got an average to where it's accurate all the time, you know? And even though you could say on this job, it wasn't perfectly accurate. Well, over the last 10 jobs, it was perfectly accurate, you know? So it all balanced out to where after those 10 jobs are done or hundred jobs are done, we made our 40% profit on it, you know? And it's like, you can't argue, like, it's a weird conversation to have because it it is an argument. It's an argument of, well, it doesn't make any sense that fascia boards on a one-story house would be the same price as fascia boards on a two-story house. And it's like, yes, correct. In that sense, on that one job, if I were only going to do one project for the rest of my life and have to do one project, I would not use production rates because it's not, it's just an average. But if I'm going to do 500 projects this year, I can use production rates and I'm going to have my profit margin at the end of the year. Um, the feedback loop on it is early on first couple of years is we have this price, you know, when we built out our production rates, it was measuring the time it took to do anything to paint a door. How long does it take to paint a door? And then we measured that, you know, 30 times. Um, and then came up with our average price so that even if a slower painter is doing a door compared to a faster painter, the average always works out. And so the feedback loop would be, okay, we lost, or we didn't hit 40% on this job. You know, we made 35% profit. Why did we lose that 5%? We need to get it back. You know, what took longer than we thought? What did we underestimate? And then we would just dive in through the numbers on the job. You know, we'd look at it and say, okay, where did we lose money? How long did it take to paint the walls? You know, X amount of hours. How long did it take to paint the doors? X amount of hours. Okay, we lost money on the doors. So not a lot, but a little bit. So we need to raise our prices on the doors. Um, so you raise your prices on the doors. Now it's not 95 a door, it's 105 a door. Uh, and then you measure it the next time around. Okay, doors look good. We're on our on our target for a profit, on our target for a time. Um, walls were good. Uh, ceilings, we came in a little, uh, under on our price. Why? Well, there was vaulted ceilings on the house. You know, that took a little bit longer. Okay. Let's raise our price on ceilings to account for that. You know, so we, we had all these adjustments that we made, uh, throughout the first couple of years of figuring out how to get it exactly average, like where our averages on this, where we're not going to lose ever. Um, and so our prices higher than it should be on some. Um, but at the end of the year, our margins are equal, you know, so. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that now that you've explained that, I, it makes more sense in my head, but it's sounds like it's reliant upon volume. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, yeah, if, you wouldn't use it. You, you wouldn't. Know, I know yeah. that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't use production rates if you were doing, you know, one job a week or two jobs a week, even wouldn't be very beneficial. It's like, it would be better to just price them individually. So how many employees do you think that it takes in order to use a production rate? How many, how many employees on the payroll do you need to have to transfer to that system? So it would probably make sense like 10 plus 10 plus employees is where you'd really want to have it in order to be more streamlined. You don't need it there. Like, I'm trying to think if now I could have, if I could do business now without production rates. Um, 
I wouldn't be able to have a salesperson do my estimating. You know, that's without a doubt. I couldn't have that if I didn't have production rates. He'd have, he'd have no way to figure out how long a house is going to take to paint. You know what I mean? Like if he went to a house with no production rates and just had to figure out how to price it, he'd have no idea. He might know now because he's been doing it for a long time. So he, now he could look at a house and say, that's probably 10 grand to do that house. Go back, crunch the numbers, yep, 10,600, right? He has enough experience now to where he could, he could guesstimate, you know, fairly accurately, but he never would have been able to learn. Like I would have had to, I don't know how long it would even take to train somebody to do that. You know, maybe like a year, you know, just working through prices and why this is more and why that's less. And, you know, now same house, but different circumstances. Now this is high and that's less. It would just take too long. And I don't, I don't know that you can get accurate enough because there's no basis. There's no foundation. You know, like he doesn't have what a is, foundation. What, what is your payment. estimator? What does your estimator make a year or around? Uh, around a hundred thousand. So he's in like the 95 to 110 range. Um, yeah. We had a big sales year. Yeah. So our biggest year, he probably made like 135, something like that, 130. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's, that's pretty cush, man, for, yeah. uh, you know, in, in comparison to actually having to be in the field. You know what I mean? So I want, I wonder <clears throat> how, how, how much, like if you took a painter that was good at, you know, at selling jobs and just had knowledge of product and could, and could transfer, you know, that, that type of trust and feeling to a homeowner mm -hmm. as well as increase overall job value, like how much more somebody could do in that type of position. You know what I mean? Right. Like in terms yeah. of sales, like, yeah. is there somebody out there that could get your, that could, he could get your, your pricing models up and then get more sales and get you, you know, it, where he could make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. or 250 yeah. or. Yeah. So look, so, um, our close rate is like hovers around 40%. It's like 38 to 40%. Um, that's for these last two years prior to that was around 34 to 36%. So we're leaving a shit ton of money on the table right? Like a ton. So we're doing, um, you know, maybe $6 million of estimates that he just, he does, um, to get $2 million in sales, you know, so he's leaving $4 million worth of estimates on the table. Right. And those, and our leads are not shit leads. Like our people are buyers, you know, like they're, um, a very small percentage are people that are not going to get painting done. You know, like they got a price and figured out, Oh, it's just too expensive to get painting done. Like our people are buyers. They're going to buy from us or they're going to buy from someone else, but they're going to pay to get their house painted. Yeah. So no, it would be if, fun. How, how many estimates a day does he do? Uh, it depends uh, like around five. So yeah. when we're, when, when he's cooking, it'll be like 25 a week. That's kind of like the max. Yeah. yeah. If I'm ever in Southern California, I, it would be awesome to shadow that dude for like a couple days yeah. and then just shat, He'd probably shadow rip him his head off <laughs> and then fucking then spend a day of me doing it and see if, see how many cells I could lock in out of that yeah, five. For sure. So that's the thing, right? That's like, um, he doesn't do great follow-up. 
You know, like if he did follow up, um, I think he increases the close rate by 10%, you know? And so his sales background is coming from like car sales type stuff from, he, he did like, uh, internet sales way back in the day. Um, like it's like shoe sales, uh, it's like door to door type or cold calling, right? That's, that's what his comfort level is like with cold calling and making 200 phone calls a day to get 10 leads, you know? And so sometimes he treats my leads like they're cold calls, you know? So he just wants to do estimate all the time. He's like, give me more leads, John, give me more leads. He just wants to fucking do leads all the time. He wants to go do appointments all the time. And I'm like, dude, you fucking spent all this time, right? Like you spent six hours today driving around, going to these appointments and you're not going to follow up with them. You know, like you're going to send an estimate and that's it. You're gone. You know, they never hear from you again. Like fucking make a phone call, you know, call these people the next day, call them three days later, like get on them, you know, close the deal. And I just can't get him to do it, you know? So I've had to figure out other ways to do follow up, but, uh, you know, it's like, I don't do fault. I don't do follow ups either, <laughs> but nobody I, does. I, so- I, so I've analyzed, like, I, I honestly don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I've analyzed. So, so I started out like, you know, fuck, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be in the field all day. I'm going to, you know, schedule an estimate on this day, this day, yada, 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 mm-hmm. you know, leave, leave work, run home, shower, get cleaned up, put on, you know, like some, you know, nicer looking clothes and then rush to my estimate, fucking take all my notes make contact with the customers and then, you know, just sit there with them and try and sell it and try and sell it and try and sell, yeah. you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. do everything I think I can in my head. I went from that to not giving a fuck, dude. Like I will, I will be in the field all fucking day. I'll be spraying all day and then I'll just stop by an estimate on my way home in my fucking work clothes, not give a fuck. And, and then just talk to the people if they have questions, I'll give them answers. I'll sit there and send them videos like w- right while I'm standing next to them for whatever it pertains to we'll be doing. Um, and you know, if they are super concerned and you can kind of catch a read on people like that, then you just kind of start dropping knowledge on them, you know, because you can tell that they're, t- they're talking to other painters and I know that I present myself and, and, you know, my experience and my knowledge of product, uh, a lot more detailed and differently than most painters do. So when, when someone's asking questions and you can tell they're concerned about having a good job done, I'm going to sell the job period. Right. Yeah. But, um, so it's, it's, it's weird. Like, uh, I think the videos have helped me a lot. And I, the reason I jumped into this was because, talking about follow-ups like i don't follow shit up that's what the videos are for you know what i mean i i feel like they're f- finally starting to get well produced enough to where they actually look like a professional did them and and i think it just sells what we are now now the question isn't does this guy have experience or is he going to be the right guy for the job it's can we afford him right and that's the so the videos I think are fantastic. And that's something that like we had talked about a little bit before even getting into the podcast stuff is like, man, I want to have you do videos for me. Cause I think those are huge sales tools. You know, like if I could send, so we have a lot of automation. If we get a, a, a new lead in a new client, 
wants an estimate, you know, we'll set up a schedule, uh, schedule an appointment. Um, once we put them into their system and put the appointment in our calendar, they'll get an automatic email, um, you know, nice talking to you today, whatever your appointment on this date with this person at this place. And here's a copy of our insurance and workers comp. If I had a video that attached in there of, you know, our process for whatever specific project it's going to be, it's like, man, that's a nice, nice selling tool, you know, right up front. Um, but our goal is the same is we want them to feel like if they don't choose us, they might make a mistake. It might be a mistake to not go with us, right? Like we're yes. so dialed I in. Put, yeah. I do that subliminal shit, dude. Like, uh, that's why I did the erasing the previous painter thing. Like, uh, you know, I'll show before, before pictures and then I'll, I'll run it through an entire process, fucking drone shots and fucking crazy camera angles and just as well produced as possible. And then at the, towards the end, I'll blast in like, you know, before and afters. And that's the thing, like, you know, erasing the previous painter and like the startups got like, you know, retarded painters fucking with paint all over them or <laughs> yeah. dudes, dudes in blue jeans and blue jean underwear and like a guy that's painted <laughs> himself into a corner. So I'm sending subliminal messages because I got sick of talking about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like how, how do you, how do you scare, you don't want to scare somebody into using you, but how do you, you know, that's a large portion of our, of our work is like, Hey, we had this guy, paint this and that and it's you know he ruined it so i mean that's like a very very large portion of our work is fixing other people's shit because i guess in this day and age you get paid more money to fucking fix it than you do to get fucking paid to do it properly so for the first time you know so we're i'm in an area where people will pay more for quality you know i think people were close to the beach um lots of high value homes here like our teardowns are a million bucks these days um and so people here generally will pay for quality. They don't want to go, they don't want to cheap out, you know, almost, almost nobody does. Um, and my salesperson is really good at giving them the fear, like subtly, right? Like uh, it can be, you know, like, oh, our price is going to be the highest, you know, but if you go with somebody lower price, like you just, you just got to be careful, right? Like I'm not going to, I don't like to talk bad about anybody else, but you just have to be careful. If someone's coming in significantly lower, our price. So there's the, the sales pitch I used to have that would, that would like defeat the big companies. And now there's a sales pitch we have that defeats the small companies, right? Before it was like, I mean, you don't want some salesman showing up here in a polo shirt, right? You know, they're just adding on a commission and a this and a that and a whatever, you know, it's fine. I'm sure some of them do good work, but just be aware, right? And I'm sure our price is going to be better than theirs. Now it's like, you know, you don't want Chuck in a truck coming into your job and they don't answer their phone in a year because they're out of business, right? Like we're a company that's been around for 20 years and we're going to be around for another 20, you know? Um, but yeah, I but, started but se- putting that I, fear in. I started selling more jobs and I started selling higher price jobs when I just stopped giving a fuck. That's, yeah, look, you know, I think but, the desperation is noticeable and the confidence is noticeable. Yeah. And not just confidence, but, you know, like I'll give an example. Like, I don't know if I've talked about this before. Uh, I think I've joked around about it with guys on Instagram. But uh, what one of my favorite 
sells pitches and I was just rolling with it. Like these people had called me out. I bid the job and then they wanted me to go back and talk to them in person. And I'm like, ah, so I go back and, uh, you know, they're, we're having a conversation in person and they were talking about, you know, Hey, we've got, we've got our friend, you know, he says that he can do it for $6,000, you know, whatever, whatever the price was or whatever. And I'm like, okay. I was like, what, what is, what does your friend do for a living? And they're like, well, he's a carpenter. I'm like, okay. So are you telling me that you honestly want to pay $6,000 for your house to look like a carpenter painted it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I don't, you got to deliver that and then just not say anything. I don't, I I don't fight. (laughs) Yeah. I don't fight for it anymore. You know? So that, like I said, the, if no one's seen my videos or whatever, you know, you can check them out on the fucking YouTube channel or Instagram or whatever, but that's my thing. Like they're, if they're educational, cool. But for me, they're for they're for sales, like uh, just to kind of, you know, give people like a like a well produced showing of what we do. Yeah, yeah, and it's obvious, like through your process, that steps are not getting missed. You know, even for me in the know, I can look at those videos and be like, "Damn, these guys aren't cutting any corners, like not even a little bit." You know, like when you're sanding surfaces, it's like, man, you're gonna sand the whole ceiling. You know, I'm like, I would probably not sand the whole ceiling. <laughs> yeah. And th- yeah. And that gives people an insight too, because a lot of people don't know everything that goes into the prep and, and shit. They just think you're going to show up and, you know, Start spray painting. paint it. Yeah. And like, uh, it gives people insight into how much more you're going to do. And then also like a, a well-written, you know, a very well-written proposal worded, you know, properly. I, you know, give them, you know, uh, product data and, and, uh, just every little detail. I, I probably spend too much time writing estimates. Uh, we talked a bit about this with Sam, but, um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like that, the, so I've got to learn sales. I've got to learn estimating. I've gotten to, you know, fuck it is that it because i still pretty much suck at getting fucked over by the irs you know so i don't (laughs) have my my taxes down and shit but i i feel like uh i kind of i don't i i could never really see myself selling anything other than paint jobs but um i kind of like i kind of like doing that i i like uh you know it's it's something new to learn i've been in the field for so long that um, you know, most guys, you know, when they, or a lot of people, uh, you know, you start a business and then you get to just run through and learn from your mistakes and blah, blah, blah. So I feel, I feel like I'm not doing that with, with the field. So like, you know, I'm pretty dialed in, in terms of actually, you know, executing jobs, but you know, it's like, I get to learn something new, um, which I need to refine, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, I need to really start sitting down and looking at, you know, uh, I don't like scaling like you're doing and m- managing my money and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the estimating and the sales, I feel like I have down pretty well. We're going to do um, uh, we'll probably do like a couple part series on episodes of like what I think it would look like for you to scale up, you know, and I think um, 
I, I can't imagine we do it all in one shot, but um, something like a game plan, uh, you know, on what it looks like, but we'll do that on another episode because I think it'll be fun to go through and I think it'll be eye-opening for you just on, because it's not, it doesn't take a lot of changes. It just takes a couple ones that a lot of people don't like to make, you know, and it's like letting, letting go of perfect on job sites. That's one of them, you know, and a lot of people don't want to do that. It's a hard one to do. It's hard to come to terms with. You're going to be okay with doing something less than what, what you know it could be done at, you know, a, a slightly lower quality or, or the potential for lower quality. Maybe it's not even going to be lower, but to accept that, that there's a chance it'll be lower. But um, I like sales a lot. I, sales is fun for me. It's like a, it's almost like a game to me, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, I want to um, figure a client out when I'm doing an estimate. I want to figure them out. I want to, you know, figure out their pain points, figure out what they're really looking for and then deliver that, you know? And I, like I said, it's the same for me. Like I don't, I, for a long time, I've, I've had that approach. I probably understood that approach really early on that, I need to not look desperate no matter what, you know, and even when I needed the work, um, I would phrase it a different way. It would be like, you know, I might be doing an estimate and I haven't done one in a few days and I need a job next week. I have nothing for my guys to do next week. I have to get this job, you know, and so on that estimate, you know, I might call them back later in the evening. Hey, I've got a price. You got a few minutes to talk. Um, and then, well, even in the estimate, I might say, you know, how soon are you guys looking to get this painting done? You know, well, we could go ASAP if the price is right, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like, okay, well, I have one spot open next week that I'd like to fill. So I'll see what I can do on the price. You know, if it's close to your ballpark or close to your price range or budget, um, but not there, just let me know. You know, but I have one spot I'd like to fill. So I have some motivation to fill it, right? Just like that. Even though I don't have shit for next week, I need to get this job. Like I need to keep the guys busy or whatever. It's just, uh, you know, this would benefit me. It could benefit you too, right? Like never out of desperation. Um, I think people could just smell that. And I think they could smell confidence too. You know, like if you don't need the project, so many people want you when you don't need them. You know, it's like dating too, right? Like all the girls want the guy that doesn't give a fuck, you know, <laughs> he could care less and they're like all into him, right? It's the same kind of thing. Nowadays, I like, I'm pretty picky and choosy about which, which clients we work with and which ones we say no to. But, um, but there was a point where it's like, you know, I got to Yeah, I think job. definitely, definitely in the beginning, dude, you have to, you know, if you, if you, look at yourself objectively and you know you're like oh i've you know i've been doing this forever and i'm you know i'm awesome at this and i'm awesome at that and fuck that i'm not gonna do this dude do do every fucking thing like you're gonna have to get it figured out like especially if you don't know how to estimate like you're gonna have to fail you know you're gonna have to get out there and fail and create your own system you know yep. and and i think being objective is really important like you get to look at it and say um, okay, I've only gotten, you know, four jobs out of 20 estimates. Like I'm fucking doing something wrong. 
right? Like not what's wrong with all these people. Like, no, it's probably something's wrong with me. You know, if I have a 20% close rate, I'm doing something wrong or I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing or whatever, but there's, there's some reason it's not working, you know? And I think a lot of people don't even consider that they might be weird, you know, like they might be awkward. It might be uncomfortable to talk to them or they might have uncomfortable conversations or weird tics or, you know, like I don't know, stand too close to a client, like not understand, uh, you know, personal space. Like there's all kinds of different things that people can do wrong in that kind of interaction. And I guarantee you, if, uh, you know, I get on that job and I give them an estimate and then you give them an estimate and you're all awkward and weird, they're for sure not picking you. Like they're a hundred percent going to pick me, you know, like you have to be objective and look at where am I fucking up? Where am I like, where am I messing this up? Maybe it's on pricing. Maybe I'm just like shooting for the stars and I'm charging way more than I should be. Um, or maybe you're super low, maybe you're way too cheap. Cause also if I come in and my price is 5,000, you come in as 1200, like what the fuck, you know, like this company that's been around for 20 years and sends me all this automated emails and all this stuff. And I have friends who've used them comes in at five grand. Like that's probably more trustworthy than this weird guy at 1200, you know, like your prices might be just too low because you can miss jobs there too. Yeah. I think there's a multitude of that. I, I think there's people out there that know that, uh, you know, you have to pay for quality. And then I think there's people out there that wouldn't know quality if it was fucking punching yeah. them in the face, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing that is hard for me to factor in is there are a lot of places all over the country that want cheap work, inexpensive work. I don't think anybody wants like cheap, shitty work, but I think there's a lot of places in the country where they want it cheaper and they're okay. They can justify to themselves paying less and, and just ignoring the fact or ignoring that thing in the back of their head. That's like, it's probably going to be shitty work. You know, because I think for a lot of people, you know, if I can get my exterior painted for 5000 or 2000 well, the $2,000 one can't be that bad, right? Like that'll at least get me by and I'll deal with it in a few years again, you know? Um, they can just justify the, to themselves saving that $3,000. And I think that's a, probably the majority of the country is like that. And I think when you get into the coasts or in vacation towns, places like that where there's a little more money, might be different, but I think a lot of the country is, um, you know, they justify to themselves why they would pay 2000 instead of 5,000. And then again, some places like, uh, New York and Boston, some places in LA where they're happy. They're like proud to pay top dollar, crazy amounts of money to get work done. You know, it's like, a a badge of honor. My paint job cost $250,000, you know? So do you ever do like, do you ever get calls from like celebrities or anything like that? Not a lot. Like who does We've that done, kind of work? So that's more in LA than it is here. Well, we have a lot of like athletes down here, <clears throat> you know, like football yeah. players. Is there, is there not celebrities in like you Newport and shit or? Yeah, but it's, um, so there's certain neighborhoods that, um, you know, like we do a lot of work on Lido Island, which is in Newport. It's like an island in the harbor in Newport. And it's all like $20 million houses and up, 
you know, but it's a lot of business people, you know, like a lot of business people around here. Um, you know, we've done like, uh, um, paint jobs for like a lot of pro athletes and stuff around town. But I, even that, like usually they're living closer to training facilities. They'll usually come here and retire. Like I think Mike Tyson has a place in Newport beach. Um, there are some neighborhoods, you know, we've done like, um, I don't know. I don't want to drop names, I guess, but, uh, football athletes that are in Newport, there are like some gated communities in Newport or Laguna beach up and down the coast here. Uh, and so, but I would say LA is probably more so where, uh, you just get passed around from celebrity to celebrity. You know, it's like, oh, you worked in this person's house, you kept to yourself, you were quiet, you know, no, no trying to take you let us drink your blood <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you didn't report us to tmz and yeah yeah um but yeah that's it's so i think at some point you know we're gonna do an la location and i think there will have to be like uh probably three locations in la yeah and one of them will be a fancy one and that's gonna be like a white glove service you're just going to like, are you going to have like a LA crew or something? Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to do, uh, probably one more location in orange County. Cause I don't do anything right now in like inland orange County. So I don't do, um, any Anaheim, um, what other parts of town are there? Like Placentia, Fullerton. I don't do anything there. And Anaheim's a big market here. Um, and then South Orange County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, Anaheim, I mean, I don't know, dude. It's It's been so long since I've been home. But the way I always looked at it was like, you know, you you know, cool, this is a nice neighborhood. But if you just drive down that way, it's a pile of shit. So I, I wouldn't know anything about, like, you know, marketing are, or, or. Yeah. There are fewer piles of shits around here because everything is getting so expensive. So like um, all the houses on the coast are just like ridiculous now. And so the high prices have been moving further and further from the beach. So even like Santa Ana, there's a lot of Santa Ana that's really nice right now. There's still some shitholes in there, you know, areas in there that are really bad, but there's a lot of areas that are really nice and all the prices are going up there for real estate. So now owners of buildings are charging their, their rent way higher. So now those people can't afford to live there. And now they're moving closer to Riverside. Right. So it's like gentrification is happening right now where anybody who is lower income is being forced out of the area. Um, so, yeah, we're like, I had an old, that right now. I had an old friend call me from today, which was awkward, but uh, he's, he's living in, you know, fuck, I can't remember. It's somewhere in LA or whatever, but you know, he's, you could tell he was drunk when he was calling me and yada, yada, but he's talking about, uh, fucking like doing Uber, Uber eats deliveries and like Compton and South central. And shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, That's kind of sketchy. I don't think he's, yeah, he's not, he's not, doesn't sound like he's living the best right now, but yeah. dude, this last guy I hired for, or that I interviewed for project manager, I made an offer to him. Um, he was, uh, working for a construction company for a while. He had, during our interview, so our interview process lasts like two months uh, for that kind of a role. 
And during that process, he had quit his job. He had some issues with a, a person that the boss brought into the company. It was like a friend and they had disagreements. It was really weird or whatever. Um, and he was doing Uber for, you know, three weeks or something like that. Just driving, uh, doing Uber Eats or Postmates or whatever. Just doing food delivery, not not driving service. And making 200, 250 bucks a day. You know, he's like, I, I have to hustle. You know, because I was like, what are you doing right now for work? How are you getting by? He's like, oh, I'm just doing food delivery. You know, I'm like, really? You know, because it's like this job that I'm hiring for is like a eighty or $90,000 job, you know? And it's like, it, it wasn't below him, you know? And I'm like, how much money, how much money can you make doing that? It's like, like 200, 250 bucks a day. I'm like, damn, how much, how much do you have to work? It's like, I do like seven or eight hours, you know, and I'm hustling all day. So it's not nothing, you know? Um, but how many people are doing that right now? You know, like, I don't think there's a big unemployment issue because uh, our unemployment numbers are not high, but that's a pretty like, like chill job, you know, like build a drive around all day and kind of turn your app on or off whenever you feel like it, you know? So I, what, so when I, when I had my fall apart and I, you know, I quit my, my job um, you know, that I had four years invested into building this company. Um, I ended up going to work for a, like an industrial shop out of the city north of us. And I, I did that for a while. And then I quit and decided I was going to start my own business. So I spent, uh, um, at the time, my, my current wife, she was she was working, she was doing like timeshare sales. So she's, she's making decent money. And that was what, that was my, what gave me the confidence to be like, dude, um, I'm, I'm dropping all my shit. You know, the, the risk is low right now. She's making decent money. So it might float us until I can get this shit figured out. But I, I was pretty fucking proactive. I did it fast. Um, but I Uber drove for like a few months just to, just to try and and I came to the realization pretty quick that it is just an app that some rich cocksucker fucking gets to get people on there. <laughs> it is same same concept, I guess, is is scaling like gets fucking however many hundreds of thousands of people ruining their fucking vehicles for pennies on the fucking dollar while this dude's just becoming a fucking billionaire. That's what I think people don't consider is all the, the vehicle damage and maintenance. Cause they're not getting paid for that. They just look at the cash that they take home at the end of the day. I was not dude. You know, I tried my best. I was not a good fucking Uber driver. Like I didn't want, I didn't <laughs> like it when people talked to me. I just wanted you to get the fuck out of my car. Like I had a, I had a suit, you know, like a new Subaru and I'm, like people just drunk getting in there. I'm like, dude, you better not fucking puke in this fucking car. <laughs> and the money was shit. I'm in like a rural area, right? So I was driving an hour to to Springfield to kind of just park and and see if I could just just stay nonstop. And the only time I ever made good money, as I said, I was in a you know symmetrical all wheel drive Subaru um, where I live. There's huge hills and shit like that. So, um, if it snows that you're not getting a fucking taxi, like nobody's on the fucking roads, but there was 
when I made like huge fucking money, it was because I was the only vehicle on the road. And like I was making like I would make like three, four hundred dollars in a couple hours just like running people from the airports and shit. And I'm talking like, dude, you know what? I, I loved that fucking Subaru, but doing like 60 on the fucking on curvy roads and shit and fucking thing, just <laughs> u- Uber and motherfuckers from the airport. That was the only time yeah. it was good. Yeah. Yeah. But so I think like, uh, that's such an easy job to get into now. You know, I think the food delivery more so than Uber because for Uber, there's some standards, right? Like you have to have a car of yeah. a certain age, certain cleanliness, all that. But for food delivery, um, that's like anybody. I think there's a lot of people that like are here who barely speak English who are doing food delivery because they don't have to say anything, you know? Um, and I think that's where a lot of the labor market is, you know, rather than go and sand fucking nail holes all day. It's like, I could just drive around and deliver food. If I feel like working at night, if I feel like working in the daytime, whatever. Uh, but I think with all the inflation that's going on, that might take a pretty big hit. I think over this next quarter. Yeah. Dude, it's a crapshoot. There's, you know, uh, unless you're on public assistance and you're fucking, you know, having help. Like, I don't see it as, I don't see how people are making a living wage doing that shit. And then you don't even account for all the, the wear and tear on your fucking vehicle that's, you know, after a few months or how long can you do that before, you know, you start having electrical problems in your fucking vehicle or, you know, you've got fucking tie rod ends going out or fucking whatever, you know? All right. Well, I think we'll wrap this one up. Um, Yeah. I guess we'll have our little outro so you can like the page, follow us wherever. (laughs) We should probably get better at doing a closeout. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I with the with the video versions I put it all on there in text. Yeah. All and right. then you have the outros on the on the fucking video versions yeah. or the audio versions, yeah. Yeah, so all fuck right. off. <laughs> As always, please like our YouTube page, give us five star only reviews on all podcast platforms. If you have questions or comments, send them over to hello at paintsniffers.com on instagram at paint underscore sniffers you can also watch the video version of the podcast on the alpha painting youtube page go to playlists and it will be filed under paint sniffer podcast via youtube you can write into qa at paint thank you for listening to paint sniffer podcast